Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the big radio show for this Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, Thanks for coming in and joining us. Um, Ready to go on the hunt here and do some stuff and things. Uh, we're going on the we're going on the deep dive today. The deep we're jumping into the deep end of the pool to talk about the weekly top three with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be with us here in a few moments, and this week's topics are going to include what's missing in the discussion on the PFD, even from those who are the defenders of the PFD. What what is the missing link here? Uh, also, what uh, is coming up in the next session, maybe a little snapshot of what we're going to see. Hint, it'll be kind of the SSDD thing. And then uh, finally, we're going to see what is the, um, uh, what's the next big thing. There could be something big on the horizon. Uh, and is it good for us or bad for us uh, when it comes to oil development? We'll talk about that with Brad Keithley uh, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, who will be joining us in my, well, about 10, 12 minutes or so. It'll be uh, it'll be fine. I sneezed, and I can see it on my monitor. That is really disgusting. It's been a day, man. Coughing and sneezing, it's my thing right now. So just deal with it. Um, then in hour two, uh, we're going to be jumping into it with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who hopefully, although he may not have the... Uh, He may not have the cure for the common cold. He may uh, have a cure for what ails you in your heart and in your mind. We're going to get the, we're going to get the weekly uplift. We're going to get the, the weekly life coaching lesson where we try and it's the betterment segment where we try and better ourselves and uh, do a thing for, uh, do, do a thing for that. So that should be, that should be fun and enjoyable that's coming up in hour two, and in between, we'll be filling it in with my thoughts and uh, discussions, some headlines, and uh, maybe even some phone calls from from you. From you, we'll we'll do it as well. So, uh, welcome back. A little bit better today than I was yesterday. Um, still, you may hear some pauses throughout the show today as I try to either sneeze or cough my way into health. Um, so I apologize if you get some moments of dead air. It's going to happen, especially since uh, the more I talk, the scratchier it gets in the back of my throat. But uh, just be aware, I'm here, I'm good, everything's thumbs up. Uh, better than I was on, it's better every day. Better every day. That's uh, that's a YouTube channel, better every day. Um, all right. Let's uh, take a look at some of the things that are coming up 
today and this week. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to check in with the man himself to see whether or not uh, Mike Shower is going to be joining us tomorrow. But on Thursday, um, we're probably going to do some. Uh, we're probably going to do some uh, some some internet. Uh, some internet. Uh, we're probably going to do some firearms things on on Thursday because I have between being sick and everything else, I've decided I'm taking Friday off because uh, Monday, Tuesday is a holiday. I mean, Tuesday is the 4th of July, right? But what employer is going to make their, well, I don't know. I've closed the radio stations for Monday and Tuesday. So um, that's a four-day weekend. And I thought if I was really sneaky, I'd take Friday off and then have a five-day weekend. And why not? So that's what's happening. So Friday, Monday, and Tuesday, you will be stuck with alternative programming. And by stuck, I mean you're going to be listening to a nationally syndicated talk show of some kind, uh, which I'm sure will be great. It won't be as Alaska-based as me, but wherever you are, whether it's uh, 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 Mike Gallagher or whether it's Doug Steffens or whoever it is that you're listening to on whatever station somewhere in the state, I'm sure it will be great. All right. Not as good as me. I mean, about Alaskan stuff, but uh, there you go. That's what's coming up. So fair, fair warning to you. That's what's happening on uh on, on Friday. I, I tend to do that so I don't have to take a whole week off because when I take a week off, boy, stuff really gets tough. There's no, I mean, I have a, my studio is in my house. Who's going to come in and do my show in my house while I'm here sleeping? Nobody. Nobody is going to do it. One of these days will be a real radio show and we'll have like an office with a studio in it and everything else. And I could have some host come in and help out, some guest host. We'll have Brad Keithley come host it or something. Or maybe one of you or Chris Story or somebody will come in and host the show. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so welcome back to the uh, to the program. Let's um, let uh Let's 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 get our let's get our things on stuff and things. That sounds interesting. I'm when I'm always it's stuff and things. Sorry, you Walking Dead fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, let's head to the uh, let's head to the headlines here and talk about a couple quick things here before we go too far. I'm probably going to have to get back into this uh, later on because I don't have enough time to explore this fully. Let me just say that I'm becoming more and more disappointed with Dan uh, Sullivan um, every time. Something else. Now, there's things that I agree with on Dan Sullivan, a very strong on uh, defense and defense spending. We should be doing that. But, you know, sometimes he just opens his mouth and the weirdest stuff comes out. So let me highlight that for just a second. First of all, there is the um, the the notice that Alaska is set to receive a billion dollars in federal funding to create affordable high speed Internet services from the. U.S. Department of Commerce. They announced that yesterday. Nearly 90,000 homes and small businesses lack access to high-speed connectivity, and so therefore they're going to spend a billion dollars, which we can argue about whether that, that makes sense to begin with. First of all, hello, has anybody heard of Starlink? Second of all, I mean, you wouldn't need a billion dollars, but what do I know? Secondly, uh, Sullivan then went on to talk about something else. He highlighted the announcement at the press conference with U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy 
where they urged action and awareness about the nation's youth mental health crisis. He said that as the Internet access expands, there's needs for policies to protect the youth from adverse mental effects of social media. And he's now calling on the government to come in and regulate big tech more strictly at the national level. Dan, 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 what? I mean, why? What, what? You know, do we really want the government as inept? And as enormous and as just overall ponderously stupid as it is, do we want them trying to regulate tech companies out there to model them after something that the government wants? You know, look, there's this thing called parents. And yes, not all parents are perfect. Not all parents are great. Some are not even good. But overall, parents can have a big idea of what's going on with their kids. We don't need government going in there and regulating, you know, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, the Googles of the world uh, for whether or not. Because there's a whole and reason has a whole breakdown on this about how this this report from the report from um, the uh, uh, U.S. Surgeon General is really kind of a boondoggle. And it doesn't really show what the, the connectivity and the causality between social media and adverse mental health effects. I'm not saying that social media is a great place to be. I'm not saying that it doesn't create false expectations. I'm not saying that it, it doesn't definitely doesn't have a downside. I'm saying, do we need government to go in? Because they've done such a bang up job with everything else that they've been working on all this time. I mean, come on. Come on. Really, Dan, this is your, this is your, this is the, 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 the flag you're going to carry onto the battlefield. Let's regulate more because we've done such a great job with everything else because parents couldn't possibly regulate their own kids and do when did, when did uncle Sam become the sugar daddy for, well, I guess that's been going on for a while, right? I mean, they've been giving us everything for money to, but I mean, when did we, when did we as conservatives. I mean, I thought Dan Sullivan was a conservative. When did we decide that that was a good idea? So that's the first story. And I haven't expounded on that as much as I'd like to. Uh, but then there was another, there was a letter to the editor in the ADN talks about what you get when you fully support public education. Do I have enough time? I really don't. Oh, I wanted to get into this letter so bad because this, let me just read you the first sentence, first paragraph. There are many excellent results that may be achieved by fully supporting public education, which is why it's so important. If public schools were adequately funded, they could hire and retain more qualified educators, give kids access to the most innovative curricula in teaching schools, and expand their academic assistance offerings to those who need them most. Students' academic performance may improve if their schools have adequate funding. Okay, so let me just point out a couple things in here. First of all, they may, these excellent results may be achieved. Student academic performance may improve. And the first thing they talk about, if schools were adequately funded, they could hire and retain more qualified educators. What is this really about? Well, it may improve the outcome. It may do this, but I'm guaranteed we'll hire more qualified educators. So is it really about the children? Is it re If they may, they, oh man. I mean, seriously, this is what... I do not have enough Sudafed on board for this whole thing. I'm telling you right now. 
All right. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Brad Keithley is coming up next. He's going to do a lot more of the talking than I am, so that'll be good for today. Yeah. I think you probably think so, too. That Duke's guy won't shut up. Back with more right after this. The weekly top three up next. Regularly heard on American radio. Oh, man. Okay. Um, let's uh, jump into this. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, hello. Uh, hello. In, other, in other words, stop using your voice as fast as you can. Man, I tell you what, it was fine when I got started, but you could tell 12 minutes into it, all of a sudden it went from being pretty good to, hi, I'm super gravelly now. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good. Uh, damn, son, I'm really agitated by this whole le- – it, it, may, it may improve results. It may do this. It may do that. But it's guaranteed to hire some good people. That's what's happening there. Don't forget about that, Brad. Sorry, I know that has nothing to do with your weekly top three, but that's just that. That's I can see where this I can see where this parade is going already. Was uh, was the letter from somebody in the education establishment, or was I, it from- I didn't recognize the name. The name is um, Thomas Burek. It doesn't say who it is. He's just from Anchorage, Thomas Burek. I think it's just a standard old letter to the editor, but I don't recognize the name. But, I mean, it just seems like, really? I mean, it may do this. It may do that. But it's guaranteed to hire more qualified professionals. (laughs) Maybe that's what it's really all about, Brad. I'm not sure. But maybe it's just about hiring more people in the long run. You know, you you tend to – you start thinking that after a while. I mean, you start looking at the the results. You start looking at the defense of the results. And – it, it, it you're right the one the one sure thing it does is hire more people yeah uh, and and hire them at, at fairly healthy salaries too healthy so. salaries with gold plated with gold plated benefits and insurance plans and retirements and everything else i mean we're guaranteed to do that i can't wait to get to uh, number two or yeah number two the second part of number two today to to see exactly what's coming down the pike so we're gonna jump into that <laughs> how are you doing by the way how i mean you sound healthy I'd like I to, am healthy. I'd like to share. Healthy. I'd like to share this through the internet to you, so you can you can <laughs> you can feel my pain this morning. Um, hopefully, it's not transmissible. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does Does Terry have it? Does Do the kids have it? Or no, is, no, you, I don't know. Are you carrying this all on your own? I it, I mean, it just came on so suddenly. Like I was fine Friday, and Friday night, right before I went to bed, I went, man, my throat's just a little tickly. That's weird. And I woke up the next morning like full blown. Bam, like sore throat, uh, eyes itching, the whole deal. And I was like, okay. And I felt better that afternoon. And then Sunday I was a little bit better. And every day it's a little bit better, but it was just like that one day. <laughs> Damn. And it was, of course, on a Saturday. So, you know, and I had so much stuff planned to do that weekend. This last weekend I have a voice project. And, of course, as soon as as soon as soon I have a voice project that has to be done, um, you know, there's the voice right there. Forget about it. <laughs> So you're five, you're, you got a five day weekend coming up though. That should, that should, that should uh, cure you. 
well, I got probably three days worth of work on my five-day weekend. If my voice is good by the end of the weekend, I've got a project that was supposed to be done by the Friday, and I'm not going to be done because I haven't had a chance to work on it for the last four days. So I got to finish it up. But anyway, um, it sounds, uh, Michael, it sounds like the A flu, the avian flu, the A, the Budweiser flu. What is the A flu? Is that the, I have the avian flu, the alien flu, a fuel flu or the Budweiser flu. One of the two, although, but I don't drink Budweiser, so it's definitely not that. So, um, how about you? You're all ready for, are you experiencing any summer? You're visiting your mom right now, right? So you, are you visiting? I am. I'm going, I'm going to Ireland next week. So. Oh, shut uh, up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the, right. the July 4th, the July 4th break on the Tuesday break works, works well for me. Good, good for you, man. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. My wife is, uh, my wife is already jealous. I don't even know if she's listening, but I know she's jealous just thinking <laughs> about it. So. Okay, well, um, here we go. Uh, we are mm, forty seconds or so out, so we're gonna pull. We're gonna pull back just a little bit. Get ready to go. Um, I'm checking all the chat rooms to see uh, if there's anything. Everybody says influenza A. I'm sorry, A flu. It's the influenza A, uh, which Barbara said put her in the hospital last year. I don't know. It could be a cold. I don't feel that bad. It's just it's irritating. Um, all right. Like me. So it, it works out just fine. <laughs> works out just fine. Here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and follow. Weekly top three right now. All right, we're ready. What um, what's happening, you guys? Ready? Let's uh, dive into it for the weekly top three. It's, uh, hey, yeah, the Sudafed's kicking in. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's jump into it. Uh, Brad Keithley, what, what, what I, planet is this? I forgot what I was doing. I mean, for like 15 <laughs> seconds ago, I forgot what I was doing. That's that's how it works around here. Uh, yes, this is the me 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 hour. If you don't like it, hit the road, buddy. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. Uh, Brad comes in. Uh, he hits us with three big topics that uh, he thinks are important, and uh, we discuss them today. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk uh, a little bit about what's coming up on the session, the next big thing, and we're gonna start off with number one, which is the one thing that everybody apparently seems to be missing from discussions of the PFD, including the PFD defenders. Now, we had uh, we had Ben Carpenter on the program yesterday for a full hour. He saved my bacon because I could hardly talk. But he really went into a lot of his thoughts, and he distilled a lot of the thoughts that he had in his letter to the editor, which you reference uh, today um, in, your, in your number one of the weekly top three. So hit us with it, Brad. What is the one thing that when we're talking about uh, uh, when we're talking about the PFD that everybody – seems to be missing as you're saying here well michael there's one fact that that you know we've known about since 2016 2017 that i've talked about a lot uh but does has has not penetrated the public conversation and that is 
that PFD cuts take more from 80% of Alaska families than would taxes. Taxes would be better, would take less from 80% of Alaska families than, uh, than do PFD cuts. And, 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 we, and, and that to me, to me at least, but, but that is a compelling argument. We wanna make Alaska families' lives better. We wanna make the Alaska economy better. We've gotten to a situation where no one, I don't think, any longer believes that we're going to cut our way out, do spending cuts to cut our way out of this situation. We are stuck in a mode where we're going to have this continual spending going forward. And to pay for that spending, uh, PFD cuts take more. If we pay for that spending through PFD cuts, that takes more from 80% of Alaska families. Uh, than using an alternative means of an alternative uh, tax. Ben um, Ben's piece in the ADM, about 600 words, 650 words, doesn't mention the word tax once. It is it is sort of the 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 typical uh, the typical. We're going to find government efficiencies. We're going to find ways to cut spending. We're going to find ways to do this better. We're going to have management plans that do this better, and we're going to and we're going to manage our way out of out of this situation that way. We're not. We saw that in 2019 uh, when the governor tried to do exactly that, and the pushback that he got he, that that he got as a result right. of that. It's it's not changed at all. The spending keeps going up. Ben talked yesterday about operating spending going up. Eleven uh, percent since he's been in office. Right. It's it, that's not changing. Right. And so the and so the 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 focus to me should be on how we're going to pay for it. Right. And and eighty and 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 it paying for it the way we've been paying for it through PFD cuts hits eighty percent of Alaska families. I it's not it's not just Ben. I mean the Democrats don't even talk about this. Right. I would think. In fairness, would, in fairness, Ben did talk about it yesterday while he was on the program. He did talk about taxation as a, because he said it has to have that connection between the public and private. And, and you know, we, he gave all the reasons. He did talk about it yesterday. I don't know if maybe in 600 or 700 word limit he didn't have enough time to get into it, but whatever. He did mention it yesterday. So but it's it's few and far between the discussions on it for sure. And he and he didn't and he didn't mention the eighty percent number. I mean, what what he talked about no. was we have to have a connection between the economy and and state government and taxes are a way of constructing a, a are the way of constructing a connection between. But he didn't talk about the fact that eighty percent of Alaska families would be better off uh, with uh, uh, with uh, using taxes instead of PFD cuts. I this is an issue. I mean, if if I were a Republican looking to challenge Donna Mears in East Anchorage, or if I were a Republican uh, looking to challenge Andy Josephson, or I was a Republican looking to challenge Andrew Gray. This is an issue that I would hit all day long. Look, these guys voted with the Senate to use PFD cuts to fund government. They didn't even try to push uh, an alternative that has a lower adverse impact on 80% of, of Alaska families. They didn't even try an alternative that would have been better for the constituents in Donna Mears district or in, or in Andrew Gray's district or in and, and Andy Josephson's district. They didn't even try. They, they, they log, logged on to the, the Senate's version of using PFD cuts and, and, and ran with that. And they're, they're not looking out. I mean, I would say, in, in, if I were using this issue, 
they're not looking out for Alaska families. They're looking out for government employees because they want to fund government employees. Um, and they're looking out for the top 20%. The, the, other, the other fact that I think is, is, should be pressed, would be, is, 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 is understandable and, and could be pressed is PFD cuts aren't necessary to fund increased spending. What PFD cuts are doing is making sure that the top 20% don't have to pay for spending. They're taking money out of the pockets of, of the other 80% of Alaska families, paying for spending that way so the top 20% don't have to reach into their pockets and pay a proportionate share of the cost of government. It's a, it's a cross-subsidy between the, the an upward cross-subsidy between the other 80% and the top 20%. So it's a wealth it's a wealth transfer is what you're saying. It's it a is for a wealth from the lower eighty percent to the upper twenty percent. It's 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 allowing the top twenty percent to avoid contributing significant amounts uh, of material amounts uh, in, uh, to the cost of government in the same way that the eighty percent are being required to uh, through PFD cuts, and and that's a I mean. Some people say that's a populist approach. No, it's not. I mean, because what we know is also that PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall economy. And how do we know? And 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 why is that? Because we're taking more money out of the pockets of of eighty percent of Alaska families, those who spend into the Alaska economy. We're taking more money out of their pockets than we than we would be uh, through other means. So it's, I mean. I read Ben's I read Ben's piece in the ADN and I was excited uh, for the headline. I was excited at the beginning and it starts off great. Uh, but then when you get to the solutions, it just sort of, you know, it's another one of these, well, we're going to cut our way out or we're going to manage our way out or we're going to have these management approaches to, to get our way out of it. Ben deserves a lot of credit for stepping up and and introducing a sales tax as as a means as as an alternate means of 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 paying for government as a means that spreads the burden brought more broadly among all Alaska families that reaches the top 20% and reaches non-residents which we don't do now he deserves a lot of credit for that but but then he just sort of it, it's like he doesn't it, it's like he doesn't really believe in it in a way because when you get to the op-ed and the ADN that a lot of people are going to read um it's just it just sort of disappears. It it isn't in there. So I I, I don't get it. it. It is an issue that is explainable. It's an issue that's understandable. It's an issue that 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 aligns Republicans, aligns those who articulate the issue in that way, aligns them with eighty percent of Alaska families, aligns them with uh, the overall Alaska economy, uh, and and shows a way forward that if we're going to continue to spend, balances the spending, balances the responsibility for the spending, includes non-residents, reduces the burden on Alaskans by 7 to 10% by getting a portion of the revenues from, uh, getting a portion of the revenues from non-residents. It is, it is a clear-cut issue uh, that I think uh, is, a, is, a, is the defense uh, of the PFD, yet the defenders don't do it. Uh, the, the defenders won't don't use the issue, don't use the the approach, um, and even as I say, even the Democrats don't use the approach. So I, I, we're doing it to ourselves. Well, I mean, and in part, this is part of the whole Republican campaign 
from a certain group and breed of Republicans over the last few years that basically have all said, um, you know, don't give us a tax and then give us the PFD uh, because you'll just be taxing us for our PFD. Instead, just take the PFD. That's what they've been. That's kind of the argument that in a nutshell, that's been coming out of a certain group of Republicans, not shrink the size and scope of government, not be more efficient, not be not all the cutting aspects and cutting language that we use here on the program. But instead, they said, well, if you want your PFD, it'll be small because otherwise we have to tax and blah, blah, blah. But again, the there's no acknowledgement of the uh, economic impact of just taking the PFD. It is a tax, by the way. I mean, that's what nobody seems to acknowledge. Well, if you just tax us and then the PFD, well, it is a tax. They're taking the money out and away from Alaska. It doesn't go into the economy and it doesn't do it. So we are being taxed whether we like it or not. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly right. And and those those who are saying that don't tax me to, to, to pay a PFD, that's the top 20%. I mean, what they're really saying is don't tax me to pay for government. Take money from the other 80% by cutting by cutting their PFD. The PFD isn't the PFD isn't being paid for by taxes. We all know where the PFD comes from. It comes from permanent fund earnings. That's set by statute. It's not being it's not it wouldn't be paid for by taxes. What taxes would do is is have the top 20% non and non-residents pay a proportionate share of the cost of government and reduce the burden that we've shifted to the, the other 80% by, by taking money well, out of their pockets. And that's also dependent on the type of tax too, right? I mean, it all depends on whether it's a sales tax or a flat tax or it, it, yeah, the, I mean, um, the, the extent to which it comes out of the pockets of the top 20% and non-residents is, is dependent on the tax, but every tax, every tax is better takes less from the other 80% than uh, than PFD cuts by by wide margins. I mean, that's that's one of the things that got me about the Democrats. When Ben proposed a sales tax, they said, oh, it's regressive, horrible. Well, you want regressive, look yeah. at PFD cuts. That's what <laughs> I mean, was my first thought when we saw some of those car, in fact, I think I said that. Notice how they're not talking about the regressivity or the impact of the PFD cuts on the uh, on the economy in Alaska. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I talk about it till I'm blue in the face. Others sometimes talk about it, but but the press isn't going to pay attention, and 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 as a result of that, Alaskans aren't going to pay attention until our elected officials, the politicians, say that say that eighty percent are going to be better off uh, with taxes as opposed to PFD cuts, or put another way, PFD cuts are worse for eighty percent of Alaska families than uh, than taxes. Until the politicians say that, it's not going to be picked up in, in the press. Uh, and until the press picks it up, it's not going to be uh, it's not All going right. to be widely known or 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 cared about or considered uh, by other Alaskans. That's that issue is the issue that wins the that wins it. And we're just giving up on it. OK, uh, that's number one. Brad, give me a quick tease for number two. Number two is uh, there was a. a, a get together of, of constituents and uh, local elected officials in Juneau uh, where they discussed issues coming up for the next year. And I think it's probably the next year's agenda for the legislature uh, uh, that will be considered. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that is. It's what I call SSDD. That's what it's all about. All right. Uh, we're going to be back. Uh, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets here in the uh, chat room. Donna says, please stop making Randy sound correct with the Robin Hood argument, which is the rob from the rich to steal for a rob from, you know what I mean, kind of the splitting. I don't know what the other solution is, though. Uh, I mean, even Ben is talking about taxation, um, and although he's not bringing in the 80% argument, um, it, I mean, it's a pretty valid argument that they're trying to insulate themselves from any from any you know any real way of having to pay i mean if they if they get a sales tax i mean that's very limited that's a limiting factor in and of itself because it'll have some kind of overhead limit and it'll it'll have a max out at you know whatever a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or whatever it is um and so i don't know how you don't make that argument in that regard when you look at it from an analytical honest standpoint i don't know how you look at it and go they are protecting themselves. It is a way that they're protecting themselves in that kind of Robin Hood-esque way. Oh, it's 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 not a right. And we may have just seen the explanation of why Ben doesn't talk about the it, reverse the Robin Hood, I guess, is what I would say. If if that's if that's what Donna's saying. But it it's um it's not a Robin Hood argument. What what the we're not we're not taking from the rich. This argument isn't taking from the rich to give to the poor. This argument is having the rich pay their proportionate share of the costs of government, whatever the costs of government are, high, low, in between. It's having the top 20% pay their proportionate share of the, and non-residents pay their proportionate share of the cost of government. What we've got now is we're taking from the poor to give to the rich, essentially. We're making the, we're making the other 80% of Alaska families pay more so that the top 20% and can, can pay a lot less and non-residents pay zero. What we're basically doing is using the 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 money from the other eighty percent to indemnify, to protect, to 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 cover, to 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 shield the top twenty percent and non-residents from paying for the proportionate share of costs of government. That's exactly what's going on. And and if it's a Robin Hood, it's it's it's. As you said, it's the reverse Robin Hood. It's taking from the poor to cover the rich, to pay for the pay for the costs that otherwise should be paid for paid for the top twenty percent. If I mean, if if some people think if some people think this is taking from the rich to give to the poor, show me where that happens, because it doesn't. It takes from the it takes from the poor the 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 PFD cut now takes from the poor takes from well takes from middle. And, and it takes from 80% of Alaska families, more from 80% of Alaska families than it does from the top 20%. And it doesn't take anything uh, from the, from the, uh, from the, from the non-residents. All the taxes would do is in some way increase the, the proportionate share of the cost of government being paid by the, the top 20% non-residents and reduce the excess being paid currently, being taken currently from the pockets of, of the other 80%. And, and I guess I would say at least one silver lining of that whole situation is at least the tax would be in the open. I mean, that, I mean, I'm not a fan of taxes and I don't want to pay taxes, but we're are paying taxes right now. They're just stealth taxes in the form of a PFD cut. At least in that case, 
the tax would be out in public on the table, visible for everybody to see. And, uh, and not that I would think that, you know, you and I have had this disagreement before. You could institute a tax and then government would just gobble up all the money anyway. So, but I mean, again, at least there would be, at least it would be up and, ab and above board at that point, right? I mean, well, and, and one other thing, Michael, it would, it would involve the top 20%. They would then be having to see in their own pockets engaged, yeah, the, the cost of government. And, and they're the ones that control uh, the lobbyists. They control the, the, the people that are, go down to Juno. They are the donor class. If they were engaged, there would be a lot more pushback. If, if Natasha Von Imhoff had to pay 4% of her net income to, uh, or Kathy Giesel, or Bert Stedman, or Click Bishop, or Gary Stevens, had to pay 4% of, of their income to cover the cost of government, there would be less government. Right now, Natasha von Imhoff is paying 0.2%, well, less than 0.2%, because she's in the top, top 1%. Gary Stevens, Click Bishop, Bert Stedman, all paying significantly less than, than half that, half the 4% in terms of the, in terms of the impact of PFD cuts on them. Right. If they had to pay the same thing that everybody else is paying, good Lord, we wouldn't have any government. If they had to pay at least the proportionate amount, a proportionate amount of the cost of government in same proportion that everybody else have, is having to bear through PFD cuts, there would be less government. But that's not what we're doing. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, we're continuing ahead. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're on to number two of the weekly top three, which is what the upcoming session may look like. Uh, you can agree or disagree with Brad, uh, like and share, or you can follow, you can invite other people to uh, join the conversation. Let's get to it. Here we go. Uh, jumping back in, uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. If you would like as well, I would love that. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Oh. Okay. Uh, weekly top three continues. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're on to number two, which is maybe a snapshot uh, or a sneak peek of what we're going to be looking at in the next session, uh, Brad is referencing an article in the um, Juno Empire uh, where they're talking about local legislators putting together this year's achievements and looking for next year's goals. And, uh, well, it was it, it's interesting. I guess SSDD is what I keep saying, but that seems to be the theme. Brad? SSDD is same story, different day. Same stuff, different day. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, that's the politically correct version. Same stuff, different day. I, I, I thought we were I thought we were off in some psychological. No, no, it's the same stuff. Categorization yeah. there. <laughs> it's it's Groundhog Day, Brad. It's Groundhog Day. That's what it is. Okay. Well, uh, so the Juno delegation, Andy Story, Sarah Hannon, and Jesse Keel had a had a, uh, a, a meeting, constituent meeting to wrap up the legislative session and to talk about the way forward. And it's important for a couple of things. One, because I think it's an indicator of where the Senate's going to be. Jesse's a member of the majority. It, it reflects, I mean, his opinions have reflected what the, what the opinions of the Senate majority have been. 
Sarah and, uh, and Andy are members of the House minority, but this last session, we found out the House minority can combine with enough people in the House majority, a, flat, a fractured House majority, to get through what the Senate wants. So the, the House minority sort of played the, the, the balance of power by, by joining with the Senate and then, and then uh, uh, peeling off enough, re enough Republicans from the House majority to, uh, to, to pass the bill. So what they're saying, what these representatives and, and, and Jesse are saying, I think is a, is a good indicator of where A, the Senate's gonna go, B, where the Senate minority's gonna go, and, and, and C, as a result of that, where the budget's gonna go. And here's what she said. Story said she believes the more hopeful outlook is for a long-term increase to education funding next year, meaning next session, and hopefully this governor's help veto will help spur even more advocates. She also expressed similar optimism about boosting public employees' pensions, one of the top goals this session of the bipartisan Senate majority and Democrat-led minority, and through a bill that advanced the Senate committee, Senate Finance Committee that Keel's a member of. When we start the second half of the legislative session, that is going to be up front and center. Healthcare was another issue raised by multiple residents that Story responded, Story and Keel responded uh, favorably to. So what we what's going to be on the agenda is same story, same story, different day, uh, is going to be just additional spending. It's not, we're not going in reverse. We're not going to have reduced spending. House majority is fractured enough that, that we're not going to have a budget that reflects uh, the priorities of the Ben outlined in the, uh, in his ADN column. We're going to have a, a, a bill that outlines, we're going to have a budget that outlines uh, the spending priorities of the Senate majority and uh, and the House minority uh, using a fractured House majority to to get the votes necessary votes to get it passed. So, how are we going to pay for it? And right. and that that I think you know leads us right back to to the question that we discussed in the first segment. But it's a question that's not addressed at all in in the discussion that 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 the Juno reps had with their constituents. Or in fact, you know the, the the similar discussions that are going on, uh, going on in Anchorage uh, and elsewhere. It's just assumed. Well, we'll just keep using PFD cuts uh, to uh, to to continue uh, to continue to fund uh, the increased spending. Continue to do it on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. So it's uh, it, it is the same story. Second day. It is it is if they can come up with more spending. Um, you know, what, what that doesn't mention, it mentions increased K through 12. It doesn't mention the universities, uh, uh the governor's vetoes vetoed a significant amount of capital spending to the universities. I'm sure there will be an effort to restore that and, uh, and a push forward on that. Um, it doesn't mention defined benefits, uh, 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 beyond teachers, but I'm sure there's going to continue to be the, the, the effort to expand the role of define or expand the availability to define benefits beyond the public safety officers where it started and beyond the teachers now to include all state employees. So we're, we're, we're headed into an environment where spending keeps going up and up and up and up. And, you know, and the question really that we, that, that, that confronts us is how we're going to pay for it. And if we don't talk about alternative revenue measures that are, that are lower, take less from 80% of Alaska families. If we don't talk about alternative revenue measures, uh, it's just going to be more and more PFD cuts. I mean, you're just going to be, 
the the PFD defenders are going to be sitting there, you know, in front of the Mack truck, you know, trying to stop the Mack truck and just just keep on sliding back and back as the Mack truck keeps pushing forward, as the spending Mack truck right. keeps pushing forward. Well, if you don't talk about alternative measures, it's just gonna it's just gonna be the same thing over and over and over, more and more PFD cuts. But the bottom line is that it's always more and more, Brad. Even if we have new measures, I mean, again, this is my argument. Even if we have new measures, they just all, you know, it's government expands to fill up and consume all available resources. This is what we're talking about. I mean, that, this is the thing that nobody's talking about in any of the things that you just laid out. And you're right. They're like, oh, we're going to increase, you know, we want more child care spending. We want more health care spending. We want more education spending. We want all this spend. And it's exactly what uh, what Ben was talking about in his piece. The PFD will be consumed. The PFD will be completely consumed in the next two budget cycles, and then they'll look around like, oh, well, you Alaskans have got to pay their fair share anyway, so there's going to be more taxes on top of it. I mean, it's 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 almost an inevitability. It's more and more and more, Michael, but at least if we use alternative revenue measures, at least if we use taxes, it's it's at least fairer to middle and lower income Alaska families, better for the overall Alaska economy than continuing to do it through PFD cuts. Yeah, it doesn't. It 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 may not slow the growth of spending. I believe it will slow the the rate of growth by getting the top twenty percent engaged and pushing back on spending. Um, but at least it will be fair. At least non-residents will pay something. Right now they're paying nothing. Seven to eleven, seven to ten percent of Alaska of Alaska spending could be borne by non-residents. Zero is being born right now. At least the yeah. top 20% will pay a fair share. I can see that. Yeah, I can see the, the logic behind that. I definitely can't see the logic behind that. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute because I see this probably at least once a week when we talk about this. What about the taxation in places like uh, California and New York and places like that where the taxation is already there, it's broad, it's heavy. Are those people more engaged? Are you know are they more engaged than what we have here? Now it's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison because they draw the majority of their revenue for their government from taxation. We get it mostly from the oil and the revenues and the and the investments. But I mean, how do you are how do you answer that argument of uh, you know are, these people aren't engaged? How would we become more engaged in that regard? Are you are you going to seriously sit there and tell me that Natasha von Imhoff? Bert Stedman, Gary Stevens, Click Bishop wouldn't become more engaged in spending levels if they had to pay 4% of their income. If Fine. Natasha von Imhoff had to pay $100,000 in, in, in taxes, are you seriously sitting there and telling me she wouldn't be more engaged in pushing back on, on spending? It's relative. I mean, yes, California may not be the most uh, 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 thrifty uh, state to live in, but we're talking about Alaska and we're talking about the impact on Alaska's top 20%. We're not talking about trying to impact California's top 20%. If somebody's seriously sitting there and saying, saying Natasha von Imhoff wouldn't look more critically at spending, that Gary Stevens, Bert Stedman, Click Bishop wouldn't look more critically at spending if they had to pay a proportionate share of their income for, for, the, for the cost of government, then I just, I, I, we're not dealing in reality. Right. Those people are going to become more engaged. Uh, uh, the, the people who write the editorials, the people who own the companies, the people who, you know, the, the, the Jim, 
Lang, Langdon's, the, the, those people are going to push back on, on spending more if they have to pay a proportionate share of it. Let's move on to number three. We got about four and a half minutes here. Number three is the next big thing, question mark. Is it a big thing? Is it something real? Is it what, what's going on here? You're talking about new development by Hillcorp. So there's, there's, there's a holy grail in the Alaska oil field. And the only holy grail has always been UGNU. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's, it's a formation that stretches across a broad, a broad share of the, of the North Slope. Um, it's like it, it's, it's the, 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 the consistency of it uh, is like molasses. It's very thick. Uh, it lies near the surface, so it's very cold. But there's a lot of oil. There's a lot of it. Uh, there is as much in the Ugnu formation, uh, 23 billion barrels of oil, as there is in Prudhoe. The original Prudhoe field is about the size of the original Prudhoe field. But try as they might, um, uh, Alaska, the, the oil producers have never been able to tap into it. And the reason is it's so thick. The consistency of it is so thick that you can't get it to, to produce. It won't come up the pipe. Um, there's been some discussion over the years of trying to mine it uh, in a way that to some degree, uh, uh, the oil sands in Northern, uh, Northern Canada, Northern Alberta are mined. There's been other proposals on how to deal with it. But if we, if we could ever tap into Ugnu, it's like we've opened another Prudhoe Bay on the North Slope. Doesn't, we're not talking about a new field. We're not talking about uh, uh, step out development. We're talking about a formation that underlies the existing uh, producing areas and right. being able to produce from that. There's an article in the Frontiersman, um, uh, Tim Bradner, uh, who writes a lot on oil issues, has an article in the Frontiersman talking about some, some research that's going on at the, at the University of Alaska Fairbanks uh, that, uh, that seems to be promising in terms of being able to tap into the Agnew field. Um, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the addition of polymers uh, into the, 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 the substances injected into uh, the, the molasses type oil to get it to, to be thinner uh, and to flow. Now, it needs a lot of things to be able to work. But, but the promise of being of, of tapping into UGNU is a big deal. If, if we're able to do that, if this research uh, and this effort would lead us to tap into, into UGNU, we're in a whole different category of production uh, than we've been in, uh, that we've been in for the last couple of decades. So it's, it's not certain, I mean, we've talked about ways to get into UGNU before. I remember going back to the time that I first became active in Alaska in the 1990s. There was some theory about how we might get into UGNU. There's been a lot of different uh, discussions over the years. None have really panned out very well. But it's it's the holy grail. If we can find a way to get into UGNU, get UGNU to produce, uh, then we're going to be uh, th then we're going to have a lot more production going on. So it's an encouraging sign. Uh, it's one that I think uh, people ought to be aware of. It's I think one it's one that people ought to be supportive of. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully it will, uh, it will, uh, lend some results. Interestingly enough, even though the primary beneficiary would be Hillcorp, Hillcorp's not, not spending a dime on this research. The research being is being funded by the federal government and the state government through the, through UAF. Right. So we'll, we'll see how this works out, but it's a big deal. And, uh, and one that, uh, from an oil standpoint, we ought to be. Uh, if you can crack that open, cause it's not just UGNU, a lot of fields have this heavy stuff, right? That they can just 
move or is Ugnu well, the primary field quickly? Well, Ugnu, Ugnu is the formation. So, I mean, Prudo has Ugnu in it. Th think about Ugnu being vertical and the fields being horizontal. So Prudo is a certain geographic area. Ugnu's in that is in that field. I see. Uh, it's heavier in uh, Milne Point, Schrader Bluff. Uh, but it's it's across a, a, a significant segment of the North Slope. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thanks so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I mean, that would be a huge thing because there are other places where that heavy, sticky molasses type crude is available and if they're able to break that cycle uh like you said i mean if it's a whole new prudo bay style thing that's a that could be a significant amount of revenue for the state and uh other things yeah Ugnu's, uh, Ugnu, uh is 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 significant on state lands so it's significant underneath prudo it's significant underneath milney and schrader bluff and i'm sure it extends over into anwar and comes on federal lands but it's a huge source Huge source on state lands. And it's not, you don't have to step out your geographic footprint because as I said, think about fields as being as being vertical. Ugnu is horizontal across these fields. So it's not like you don't have to go step out from Prudhoe and go someplace else or step out from Alpine or step out from Milne and go someplace else. It's right there. It's underneath. It's they in actually, those... they have to go through that formation to get exactly. to the oil that they're pulling right now. So it's an, it's exactly. not an underlayment. It's almost an overlayment of what they have right now. They got to punch through it to go through. So now if they could draw that, I mean, many fields could benefit from that if they could be able to use it. Yeah. So we're not, we're not talking about, we're not talking about unlike Willow where we're talking about a step out and we're talking about new geographic areas and we're talking about having to get a bunch of uh, permits to get us into the new geographic areas and to build infrastructure in the new geographic areas and do all, you know, incur the expenses of new geographic areas. This is in the existing field, in, in the existing fairway. It's just a question of being able to find the the, the mechanism to be able uh, to produce it. And, and if the polymer research that UAF is doing um, uh, bears fruit and, and, and reduces the, the thickness of the of the uh, of the oil in a way that we can produce it, uh, we've got a whole new feel, a whole new layer. There we go, a whole new layer uh, that we can tap in and produce. And it's huge, twenty three billion barrels. I mean, just to just to keep in mind how big that is, it's as big as the original Prudhoe field. You can't produce all the twenty three billion barrels. I'm we we've, we're producing. We started out with a target of producing forty percent of Prudhoe of the 20-some-odd billion barrels in Prudhoe, we're now up to 60 or 70% through the enhanced production techniques that we've developed over time. You would start, if we even got 40 out of Ugnu, that's a huge number right. in terms in terms of its productivity. So right. big deal, big potential, um, not not a big step out, uh, uh, but something uh, something important. Well, uh, smarter brains than us are working on it, so hopefully they come up with some kind of idea that will allow us to uh, to develop that. It's amazing how the technologies can change. Um, and like you said, when the target was 40 to begin with, and now we're producing 60 to 70% of the field that was there, all due to the fact that technologies have changed, uh, nothing to say things can't change yet again. So uh, it's good yeah, stuff. Exactly right. Exactly right. H huge opportunity for the state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Sorry. Harold says, spare us. The heavy oil isn't going anywhere. I know this because he was the same guy that said 40%, I'm sure, was going to be developed and that was it instead of now 60 or 70. Because technology, he knows. He knows. Um, all right, Brad, final thoughts before I let you go here today. Um, any Again, there's a lot of pushback here. Uh, I don't want taxes any more than anybody else. Uh, but we're being we got- taxed. We're being taxed right now. So uh, I guess the the question is: Do you want to pick your poison, or do you just want to be poisoned? Uh, I mean, we're I guess it's all poison in the in the long run. One less fatal than the other. But uh, your final thoughts here. Well, I, it, you're exactly right, Michael. We're being taxed now. We're being drained now. The the other eighty percent are being drained now. They're being drained in order to subsidize, cross subsidize the top twenty percent. Top twenty percent love it. Non-residents, oh geez, come to Alaska. Don't have to. Don't have to give up any of your income. God, that's what a great deal. Um, they love it, but the other eighty percent are bearing the burden of it. And and the question is whether whether we want that to continue all the way down to where the to eight, the the other eighty percent give up their PFD to fund government. Top twenty percent don't have to tap into their money, and the and the and non-residents get to keep all of theirs. There's a fairness to tax. There's there's a fairness issue in taxation, and the fairness issue goes all the way back, you know, to the beginning of capitalism. Goes all the way back to Adam Smith's wealth wealth of nations. Adam Smith addressed what a fair tax situation is, and he said all citizens benefiting from government contribute proportionately to the cost of government. They all benefit. They all contribute according to, you know, the the amount of of income they've got, including non residents. That's a fairness issue. Everybody chips in. What we've got in Alaska is, as Matt Berman calls it, Professor Iser calls it, the most regressive form of taxation ever. And, and we've, we're shifting the burden to, to middle and lower income Alaska families, letting the top 20% non-residents off the hook. I mean, that's, that's the issue. Do you want to continue going down that road where we're taxing the other 80% so the top 80, more tax, essentially a surcharge, on the other 80% so the top 20% get off the hook. Is that the road you want to continue going down? There are better ways to do it, fairer ways to do it. Right. Fairer ways of taxation. And we ought, and we ought to be doing them. Lisa and Gary, I think, summate what we've been talking about all day today. Realistically, this state will eventually have taxes, income and sales taxes. Uh, I mean, we have taxes right now, but eventually when that money is gone, which could be as little as two budget cycles from now, th- then it'll be, why don't we pay our fair share? kind of thing. That'll be the argument. And, and the question is, do we want to give up the PFD? Do the eighty, do the other 80% want to give up the, the, the PFD and then pay taxes on top of it? Right. Or do you want to fairly spread the taxes out now, keep the PFD going, fairly spread out the tax burden now, and and engage the top twenty percent right. pushing back on spending because you're engage still you're still benefiting yeah you're still benefiting the economy by the by distributing the PFD you're engaging and and benefiting the entire economy even if you had taxes on top of it the benefit of turning that money six or seven times would still be greater in the long run even if you did have taxes at the end all right Brad uh, we're out of time thank you my friend for coming on board and joining us as always good to talk with you. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. All right, folks, we're coming down to it, uh, getting ready to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Hour two is dead ahead. We will return. Uh, You're home for Common Sense Radio. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning to you. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, it's the Tuesday edition. We just finished up with Brad Keithley for, uh, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Now... Um, I know there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of discussion in the chat room. A lot of people are like, um, you know, taxes. I don't want to pay it. I'm doing all this other kind of stuff. And and I agree. I mean, I would love to see, as Ben Carpenter talked about yesterday, smaller, more efficient, more affordable government. Unfortunately, as I said earlier, we are in the minority and they don't want to, um, they don't want to hear what we have to say about that. So what's going to happen? Well, here's what's going to happen. Um, they're going to continue to uh, deflate the permanent fund and the earnings reserve. And within just a couple of uh, budget cycles, so within the next year, maybe two, uh, maybe three on the outside, I would say, based on how much is left. Because think about it right now, the PFD, if it was statutory right now, would be nearing $4,000, $4,000 in dividends. We're getting about a quarter of that, right? That's what we're taking right now. We're taking about a quarter of what the statutory dividend would be. Um, and if we continue on this path, uh, while people stalwartly continue to argue that we just shouldn't be taxed, to have the PFD instead take the PFD, which, uh, as again, I would argue, is in and of, of itself a form of taxation, is the idea that uh, somehow that's just going to continue on ad nauseum for, you know, forever. But we know that within the next couple, three budgetary cycles, that money will be consumed because government by itself is growing at 100 to $150 million a year every year. Just if you did nothing, if you changed nothing, if you didn't add in child child care like they did this year, if you didn't add any additional excess educational spending, if you didn't add, um, uh, for example, a new defined benefits program, all these things that they've been talking about, if you didn't add in a 67% increase in salaries for the legislators, if you didn't add in any of those other things, that's all extra monies on top of it. The budget goes up by $100, $150 million a year every year just based on formulaic increases that are already baked into the system. Cost of living increases, you know, inflation, the, the yada, yada, yada. So that means that within three years' time, 
we're talking about um, $450 million increase just baked in, almost half a billion dollars just baked in. Let's, let's, let's throw in, let's throw in another $50 million in spending. I mean, just for giggles, right? Let's just throw in another 50 million for a half flat, half a billion dollars in spending in the next three years. Uh, because I think it'd be pretty easy for them to increase spending by $50 million over three years, right? Right? So it is, um, it, 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 that, that pretty much sums it up right there, folks. That increase alone could consume what remains of our PFD, let alone any of the other things that they're talking about. And you just had, you just heard Brad and this, this piece is available over at the um, Juno Empire, where these legislators are in there talking about what their priorities are going to be next week or uh, next uh, session next week. Um, again, talking about the one-time student increase of funding, They're, they want to go up to they want to go up to eight hundred dollars in student. BSA increases $800. He cut it down by half. That was 170. Uh, it was 170. He cut 87 billion, 187 billion dollars out, 87 million dollars out rather. And so, but if they had gone all the way up to the $800 mark, well, that's another $200 million on top of what he didn't veto, right? That's another two or $300 million. Then you got more childcare discussions. They want to go front and center, front and center on the defined benefits program, regardless of what the actuals and the fiscal reports are saying. Um, you didn't really see many of the fiscal reports around uh, the fiscal notes around the defined benefits program, quite honestly, because they don't really want to talk about that. Even Bert Stedman is like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. We need to see what the actual numbers turn out to be, because what we hear from people like Jesse Keel and others is this pie in the sky. Oh, if we do this, it won't actually cost us any money. It'll actually save us money. Kathy Geisel's bill not only provides a defined benefits program for the teachers or for state employees, it's essentially for almost all government workers from the state level on down inside the state of Alaska. So state, university, municipal workers, anybody, everybody, non-federal, no, just state employees on downward. Doesn't count the federal ones, but state employees on downward, it would put another 50,000 people in the defined benefits program. Which is going to cost you, I mean, which is a, a guaranteed, they've got to pay it regardless of the money is there or not. Uh, I mean, you want to endanger the corpus of the permanent fund, there's a good way to do it right there. But they want to do that. So, yeah, here it is. Um, we are being taxed right now. We are, be and I'm not happy about it. Uh, Brad's advocated for a flat tax, which if I had to look at all the taxes that are out there, Probably the least painful of all the taxes out there. Still painful, still unappetizing and unappealing to me, but better than the stealth tax they got going on right now that is affecting a huge amount of the middle and lower class. It's still better because at least it's above board. Now, I hate this because basically it makes me have to advocate for a tax of one form or another, although we are already being taxed. I don't know how to put that any more clearly. They are taking the money 
that was set aside by statute as our payment as owners of the state. They're taking that money and they're just using it for state government without our, you know, basically without our consent. Now they'll say, well, we are, you got your legislators and your legislators have got your, they've got your consent. They're holding your marker and voting on your behalf and yada, yada, yada. But that you're, you're essentially just take, and it's going to go away. See, that's the thing. Here's in five years from now, I guarantee you, we will have some other form of tax. The PFD, if we continue down this path, the PFD will be gone for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. There will be no more PFD. It will all have been consumed by government. It won't be the 2575 uh, codified plan. It will be the 100% plan. And then they'll come to us and look us squarely in the eye and with a straight face tell us, well, you know, we really need to pay our fair share. We have been without taxes. Every other state in the union's got taxes. We need to have taxes now, too. So not only would they have taken the PFD through the taxation and consumed it all and utilized it for government, then they're going to come back to you and look you in the eye and say, well, now you need to pay more taxes. Now, whether it's a sales tax or an income tax, progressive, flat, whatever, it'll be another tax. So as both Brad said and Ben said on Monday, what do you want? Do you want a scenario where we basically let the PFD slide into a slow, quiet, miserable death over the course of the next two years or three years and then have taxes on top of that? Or would you rather institute the tax of your choice? The best tax you can get, I mean, I, I think arguably Brad is right as far as the flat tax being the best tax you can get, as far as that it's equitable across all scales and everything else. And then have your PFD, which then, again, that money turns in the economy. I mean, if you have, if you have a billion and a half dollars that goes into the Alaska economy and turns over three, four, five, six times in the economy... Seven times. I mean, whatever Donna's in the chat room, she can tell me. I think it's seven times, right? Is the number of times that money would turn over in the private hands versus the government hands? If you would rather have that and then have taxes, I mean, those are your choices. Either let it die a slow death. We inexorably are going to have taxes probably in two or three years anyway. Or we headed off at the pass. We have taxes now. We have the benefit of that money in the private economy. We help it grow the private economy over the next three years. And now also more and more people are engaged and involved because they're seeing their incomes affected directly. Maybe they would get more involved in this. I mean, when I look at it, that is, I mean, again, not a fan of the whole taxation scheme, but we are being taxed right now. I would rather have, I would rather be able to pick my poison. That, I mean, I would rather be able to say I would rather have this kind of tax than that kind of tax because we are being taxed right now. That's the bottom line. It doesn't make many of you happy, and I understand that. Hey, that's that, that, that's the but the fact is right now you are being taxed right now. Every man, woman, and child in the state is paying a head tax with the theft of your PFD. Wouldn't you rather have that money, be able to do something with it, and then still have to pay a tax on it? Because maybe you could turn that money around and do something with it. 
I mean, doesn't that make sense, at least from that perspective? I mean, again, it's not like I'm advocating for something new. Because we are being taxed right now. We are being taxed right now. Wouldn't we be better off choosing the type of tax, getting that money, utilizing it ourselves, bolstering the economy, and then again, putting a little bit more accountability into government? I think it makes more sense than what we're doing right now. I mean, I think because what we're doing right now is just letting them have their way with us, taking that money. It's not going into the economy. It's going into government. And we're all fighting over the scraps of what's left over, arguing about why we shouldn't have a tax when we are already taxed. That's the that's the bottom line. All right. Um, we're coming up on the break. we got more coming up. Uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us. We'll continue the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free, uh, free Thinking Radio. We'll have our weekly uplift, and then I suppose I'll open up some phone lines at the end of the show, and you can argue with me about how wrong I am, which, again, wouldn't surprise me. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Chris Story up next. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. And... Uh, let's uh, connect everything up here, and we'll be ready for Chris' story. Let's get all this uh, squared away, and we can uh, do this. Um, uh, let me Okay, all right. Let's see if we can get story on. O R Y. Yep, over here. Okay. Ring. Ring, you bugger. Ring. Damn it. Didn't work. Uh, let me try it again. It didn't work. I know it didn't work. I don't know what the deal is. I'll call you right back. Uh, we're going to try this again. Because this damn thing. Uh, all right, let's try this again. See if we can get this going on right here. Yeah. All right, I got it to work. Trekking. How now, blue cow? How now, brown cow? Oh, is it just your is it your Bluetooth that's not connecting through the board? Is that what's going on? Well, the Bluetooth connects and it says it's connected, but then and it works for everything except for the phone call. Like I can play music, I can do things, I can do whatever, but all of a sudden, for some reason, it just doesn't like the the phone call. Sometimes it won't take a phone call, sometimes it won't it, it'll dial out, but it's not going to, I don't know. Anyway, it's a thing. And it's, and it's your roadcast. You well, to I've already, road? I've already swapped the roadcast once over this. I already, I already swapped it over this one time. It might be my phone. I don't know. It yeah. might be a phone issue, but, uh, it might be somebody in the Juno legislature that's just messing with you, but I don't want you to be paranoid about it, Michael, but they might be after you. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's possible, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's, I think it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's more. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing really well. No complaints. You? Uh, Other than the normal? I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I have, uh, I've been sick as a dog for the last, uh, four days and so I'm, oh man yeah i'm desperately trying to get my voice back to where it needs to be because i got stuff to do uh as you know mm. so i'm trying to finish it and uh, get everything done but uh yeah it's been uh it's been an interesting four days let's put it that way uh better today than ever before but uh we'll see we'll see what than tomorrow ever before well then i guess better today than i was on saturday saturday is when i was okay. dropped me right in the dirt dropped me right in oh, the dirt no. so 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 where do you stand on this are you one of those that's jumping immediately for a home covid test kit or do you just assume eh whatever i'll just get through no it. i don't think it's covid i had covid once and it was it definitely knocked me in the dirt like bad for like a day day and a half and then i was fine uh this is more uh i would say more flu like than anything else i don't uh, you know it it just it was a little bit of a sore throat uh and really stuffy uh, an earache. Yeah. And then the next day it was just really stuffy, no more sore throat, no earache. And that's where I've been for the last three days is just this super stuff head full of fluff, which is normal for me, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, right. Right. Well, I'm just, I just, I'm surprised when I hear people say, Oh, I've got COVID or this. And that. I'm like, how do you know? Oh, are you still, people still testing? No, I, I don't forget even, that people yeah. are still testing for it. I don't even bother to test. It's uh, I mean, what's the point at this point? You could uh, leave it. At, I don't even bother. I don't even period. bother. I'm Michael Dukes. I don't bother. I'm, I'm bothered by it. Although I do, I could do some really deep voice stuff today. I'm ready for this in a world. You know, I could do some video game trailers or something today. Um, anyway, it's, I feel feel I feel a lot better. Vitamin C, Good. zinc, you know, vitamin D, the whole thing, B12. Just boosted my immune stuff, took a double dose of a couple things and uh, feeling better. Just it tails off. It takes a little bit for it to come out on the other end. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was not a poop joke. All right. Um, what's our topic today, buddy? The leader within. The leader within. I've got to find that guy mm. one of these days. Deep, deep the, topic. The leader within. i got to find that guy. He's a... Uh, He's a real pal. All right. Well, here we go. Chris Story, the man from Homer, ready to go. We're about 30 seconds out right now. Please like and share, like and follow. Um, I see that there was an Anchorage rally protest, the secret dealings with Hill Corp. What was that? Um, Alaskans' rights and wealth. The city of Valdez calling for transparency, making oil company deals. Uh, K Street and Anchorage, live stream gavel to gavel. Okay. You guys can read the comments in the chat room. So. That's all you good. All right, here we go. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, comes on every week to talk with us about positivity and pottery and how not to become a nihilist. It's a big, it's a big deal. 
Um, he joins us this morning to talk about uh, life coaching, betterment, all that kind of stuff. Today, we're talking about searching for that leader within. It's been a lifelong search for me, my friend. I'm having a hard time here. Maybe you could put me on the right path. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. But you were, you were a leader. I know you say that a bit facetiously, I'm sure, because you are a leader. You come here five days a week to lead. And, um, you know, the best thing about a leader is the ability to listen and follow. You can't really be a leader if you don't have the ability to do those two things. And truly, I, I was I was thinking about this morning and, and just, you know, ruminating on, you know, this conversation, sort of visualizing how would this conversation go with Michael about encouraging you to find the leader that is within you because it's there. Every single person has an opportunity to lead. Right. Led me to the question, well, what is what is leadership really? Well, it's what you do when nobody's looking. Stephen Covey said that leadership is a choice, not a position. We think about the leaders in a state, in a business organization, a company, a family, a community, as people that have been elected, people that are serving on behalf of all the rest of us, and we we have to do what they say, and we live with the rules they create. But the reality is, leadership is a choice. I agree with Stephen Covey on that. It's It's about, will you speak uh, will you speak your mind and not barking orders necessarily? Sometimes you have to do that. But that's more about management. When you when you bifurcate between the two, look, management is about barking orders, task management, things like that. Leadership, it's about listening. It's about seeking to understand, then to be understood. And understanding management is not leadership. Speaking of Stephen Covey, it's been a, a Covey kind of morning, as I think, because <laughs> he was such a master of leadership and in a way that it could apply to your home with your family, it could apply to a, a $6 billion corporation or global leadership. And he talked about leadership in the way of, um, if I can remember the analogy he used specifically, he said, imagine you're in, the, in a jungle and you have managers ensuring that the people wielding the machetes as we move forward through this jungle, management ensures that the machetes are sharp, the management ensures that they take breaks regularly and have water stations and sharpening stations for their machetes. Um, and every now and then a, a regional manager will climb a tree and say, and holler down to the rest, we're going the wrong direction. But he said a leader calls it climbs a taller tree and hollers down, we're in the wrong jungle. So it isn't just about the direction. It isn't just about task management. Leadership is really seen from 30,000 feet. Where do you want to go? Where do you want your family to go? Where do you want your community to go? Do you want to leave it into the hands of just a handful of people that you elected eight months ago? And you're not really sure what they're doing or what they're up to, but I think they got our best interests at heart. A leader pays attention, listens, and once you fully understand what's happening, you speak up and you're 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 willing to use your voice, you're willing to use your influence after you understand what's happening. And you also as a leader understand what's at risk and what will happen if you don't speak up. Some people feel like they're not built to be leaders, though, Chris. I mean, maybe they're like, I don't, they don't want the responsibility or they don't want that, you know, maybe they're happy being followers. Is this advice for everyone or is this leadership on a small scale or a big scale? What are we talking about? Yes. So all of that. Yes. Not everybody wants to lead. I, people, somebody just asked me um, the other day, 
he called me with a couple of concerns about a, uh, a local organization and wanted me to know some things. And, and then he said, by the way, when are you going to run for office? I'm not going to. I don't. And, and I think that's the mistake that I want to dislodge from our minds. Some people want that. You'll notice that some people can't really live without a position. They can't, they don't find significance or meaning elsewhere in life such that when they're no longer, say, the mayor of your small town, they've got to find themselves on a board seat somewhere. Um, they've got to find themselves in, involved in some quote unquote leadership role versus understanding you can lead where you are with what you've got. You've got agency. You do not need to be elected. You do not need to be selected or appointed. You can lead from where you are so long as you understand that in in finding that leader within, you're also willing to take on the responsibility or the mantle of what a leader takes, which is responsibility. You are responsible. Even if you do not pick up the mantle of leadership and say, eh, that's for somebody else, you're personally responsible to live with the outcome of that choice, whether or not you like it. And so it's just no longer, we cannot any longer say, well, I don't know what they're going to do down there in Juneau. I don't know what they're doing back in D.C. I don't know what they're doing at City Hall. Did you hear what they did? As long as we think about it as them versus us or there's a they, sort of this mystical they out there, we're moving the agency of control we have within us or the locus of control, if that sounds better, to somewhere else. And we're obfuscating that personal responsibility, which I think we already have. Don't don't get in. Well, it's easier. It's easier, right? I mean, it's less scary. If I don't have to take responsibility for those things, then I'm not responsible if I fail or succeed. I mean, is that, am I summating that up properly in a lot of ways? I don't, I could blame somebody else for failure if I don't take leadership of my own goals and destiny and everything else. I can always look back and say, well, you know, the leaders weren't leading us in the right way. Yeah, I agree. And that's exactly right. And it can be scary to your other point. It, it is scary to stand up and say something. I remember 22 years ago, I stood up in a meeting, very public meeting, and I, I, I ain't no, no, nothing. I wasn't elected. I, I barely had my real estate license, and I stood up in a very large meeting. A city councilman was there, and he was talking about transportation. And I said, "Well, um, with all due respect, isn't the co-, and I named a corner, which is you know the infamous McDonald's corner in Homer, Alaska. If you were there, right. uh, if you ever got through that intersection prior to the the uh, stop stoplight being installed, you knew that it was a gamble. It was like." Uh, you know, you were just rolling the dice in Las Vegas and everything you had was put on red. It's like, I, I hope I make it. I hope I live. And you would just go. And and I said, what are we going to do about that intersection before somebody gets killed there? And he goes, oh, ah, that's that's a state road. I, said, I don't care. It's in the middle of my town. It's in the middle of right. your town. Right, right. Shouldn't we do something about it? Um, that's leadership. I'm not not lauding myself as some sort of brave leader. I'm just suggesting that that's the kind of leadership I keep calling upon right. for our local maybe, relative to st- speeds. Maybe so you were in the wrong jungle, right? I mean, you're saying, hey, no, this jungle over here yes. where this stoplight is not, where there's no stoplight and people are dying. Maybe we should fix that. Um, exactly. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard gave an interview recently with um, Pat David, and it was fantastic. I just, I don't know why I keep finding myself drawn to Democrats. It's bizarre. I've never, I've never voted for one, but Dulce Gabbard, RFKJ, interesting interviews and interesting perspectives coming from those folks. Maybe it's just such a nice, refreshing retreat from 
uh, socialism that we find coming out of the Democratic uh, leadership lately. But to hear Tulsi say it, here's what she said. When she first ran for Congress, she was nervous. She was just tense. As you can imagine, you walk into a press or you walk into a a room full of uh, potential donors or voters or the press. And, and she was nervous. What if I don't know the answer? What if I look stupid because I just, I can't answer their questions that I don't know everything. And she said the real, it was almost debilitating. She said, and the real, almost like a, a switch, you know, a flip switch uh, in my word, not hers. I think she had an epiphanal moment when she realized she was making it about herself. She said, as soon as I, made it about those I sought to serve, everything changed. She said, I was no longer nervous. I realized I'm making this about me. And that's not what this is. This is about me standing up for the people of Hawaii or wherever, you know, and she's also the Lieutenant Colonel now. So, you know, she's still in service. In service of others, she put herself aside. And I think that is real leadership. That's yeah. understanding. It's not about me. It's about the people I seek to serve. Suddenly the nervousness goes away. Suddenly your self-apprehension and, wow, who am I to leave? No, no, this isn't about me. This is about the small children that are going to get crushed if we don't do something about this intersection. This is about uh, the leadership in Juneau going too far. This is about that guy with sustainable budgets pushing a flat tax one too many times. And I'm going to speak up and say something and say, hold on. We don't pour, we don't put more gas in a vehicle that's going the wrong direction. We got to stop them, change direction. Then we'll talk about giving them some more gas. Oh, you know, that's leadership. We should have a discussion about that. I, I would find your solutions to that fascinating. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. And, and quite honestly, people like Tulsi, um, uh, I'd be Brian in the chat room says, I like Tulsi and I, and I do too. I think it harkens back to Me the too. days of the blue dog Democrats where you could actually have a conversation with them and they didn't want to kill you for disagreeing with them. Uh, I think that's the one thing yeah. she brings to the table. We may not agree on everything, but she does have some good ideas. And, uh, even those things you don't agree with, she doesn't want to burn your house down because you told her you think she's wrong. Right, right. And and I guess, that, yeah. And what's stopping you? I mean, what's stopping you from becoming a Tulsi Gabbard or a, a leader that we look up to? Somebody, uh, Elon Musk, who's leading the world, ironically, as a South, uh, South African, leading the free thought movement, leading free speech, leading the green movement in many ways. I mean, he's such a leader who stood up and said, I can do this. I can solve this problem. And he's almost a de facto leader who's never been elected. He's not been selected. He probably doesn't think of himself in re- in that regard relative to anybody that doesn't work for him. Right. But he is. He's setting a trend and, and people are going to follow suit because he's making it possible to stand up and say, you know what? I mean, I like what you say, but you have the right to say it. That's leadership. And you right. can do this at home, school, work, your small community, your subdivision. You know, I take I take ownership in my subdivision. I, I had a guy a conversation with a guy who's speeding too fast and, and his kids speeding too fast. And I sat him down and I said, Look, you know, and I sat him down as though I'm elected. I'm not anybody. I was like, You need to slow down. You're gonna hurt somebody. It's like this is just ownership and agency within your community. With again, it could be as simple as your neighborhood. We're having this huge conversation nationwide probably globally, but nationwide about a housing shortage and an Airbnb and VRBO. How are these components fitting into our community? And are they, they're displacing families. And look, you have a voice and an opinion that matters. 
before you show up and start screaming at these meetings or before you start penning your letters to the editor, listen. So I think tactically speaking, how right. do we contact the leader within and affect it? Listen, seek first to understand before you jack jaw. Well, you may not even know what you're talking about. And I think you make a valid point with, uh, for example, with Musk and even with uh, what you were talking about standing up in your first meeting is that he's finding needs, right? He's finding needs. Oh, we need to bore a tunnel underneath the, to stop traffic congestion. So he built the boring company. Oh, we need to do the Hyperloop. So he built that and then turned it over to somebody. He's like, oh, we need green cars. So he did that. Oh, we need to go to space and reuse. So he's finding a need and filling a need, just like you were finding a need of, we need people not to die on this road. We should talk about it, even though it may not be your purview. Let's at least discuss it. It's finding that need and filling it. So it's almost like the... It's almost like the capitalism of of leadership, right? You got to find that need and find a way to to uh, address it and attract it. Um, that's how you're going to find it. Is you got to find what can you do? What are the solutions for some of the problems out there? And that's an ex- such an extreme example because you know he's worth what 160 billion dollars, etc. But what about just starting where you are with what you've got and employing your superpower? which is curiosity. Okay, we'll break that it, in common with Elon. Sure, break it down for us then. We got the last 3 minutes here. Go ahead and break it down. How do we get started in finding our inner leader? I think is a, I would go back to listening first, seek first to understand before you're understood, and then employing your superpower of curiosity. You know, you understand this as an interviewer and a journalist probably better than anybody that when I interview somebody, I'm actually there to learn. I, I can't wait to share a conversation I've had with somebody that I admire who's done something, but I first am there to learn and listen and be almost follow that person in that conversation. But I employ that same curiosity in just everyday conversations. I love jumping into an Uber in Seattle and learning from the driver if I can understand it. You know what I mean? And that's not a pejorative. I'm just saying, if right. I can, I will ask questions like, oh, you know, how did you get, oh, you got here from Senegal. Oh, wow. Do you have family here? And part of it, yeah, I'm a little bit Homeland Security. Yeah, it's partly where it's coming from. But I'm, I'm curious about people. And I think every conversation, you have an opportunity to learn. And one reading assignment for anybody who's thinking, I don't know, this guy's so full of it. Leader, really me, read how to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie and understand that you are a leader. You have the ability to get in rapport and build relationships right where you are. You can build a coalition of people who can make a difference. And you might not even be pointed out as the leader, but you know you'll have a role in leading a group of people, even if it's just introductions, even if it's just forming the first facet of the conversation and turning it over, letting people manage it from there. I despise meetings. I think meetings are places where ideas go to die. However, I understand to get things done, sometimes they have to take place. Uh, This doesn't mean I have to be at every one, but I could maybe have some influence on where the meeting ultimately will try to take us or where the the, the groups that are going to meet, what's the outcome we're looking for? What are we seeking? So you don't have to just think about, oh, my God, if I run for my town council or assembly, I could have to read 400 pages of this malarkey every two weeks and show what if I don't what if I don't know what they're talking about? What if, the you know, and you have this established group, just just like you do in, in the deep state, you have employees that are there. And but you know what? They're there to help you. 
I think if you turn that around and say, look, if I show up as a leader that doesn't have a lot of experience, I've got a whole group of people here that can help me. You don't defer to them on the decision making, but you can learn from them and you can really with curiosity expedite that leadership and discover even if you do not want to become elected, you're still a leader and we will follow you. So where are you taking us? Um, I love that question, by the way, because I have run for office. I have held elected office, uh, but, but I do get that question occasionally. You said people said, well, when are you when are you going to run for whatever? And my question to them always these days is, well, when are you? Because, uh, you know, that I've done my turn. When are you going to do it? Uh, and so I think that puts the shoe back on the other foot. If people are willing to step in and, and step up, um, that's maybe when they find their inner leader right there uh, to begin with. Chris Story, the man from Homer. You could find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. He's got a plethora of books for you to read, including Born to Live, The Backyard Millionaire, his works of fiction, including uh, The Making of Man, and his latest, The Watchman, which is coming out here next month. We're going to talk with him about that, too, when it comes down to it. And I would like to talk to you a little bit about your solution, since you're lambasting uh, uh uh brad i'd love to hear what you have to say lambast him about uh i'd like to see what your solution is to that being uh thing i i would love to love to hear that chris story the man from homer thank you my friend i appreciate it <laughs> my pleasure thank uh, you michael hold the line folks we're out of time we got more coming up the michael duke show common sense radio Streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com Okay, Chris Story with us one final song. I mean, I don't know. What what do you think? I know you're saying no flat tax, but everybody's being taxed already. What's your uh you got a hot take for me or you want to wait till you want to do it next week? You want to come in and 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 give us some yeah, advice I, before? I mean, what do you think? Being happy to talk about. It. I think it's it's very similar to what we just were talking about. I don't see it any different. I, I I'm a leader. You're a leader in this conversation. We all are are leaders and if we defer to class warfare and just assume that, oh my goodness, uh, this permanent fund is permanent and can never be changed. And I agree with you. The premise of what you continually say about the topic is, this is constitutionally protected. This is how it's supposed to be. We're playing ever since um, the unity ticket, Walker, now suddenly, you know, once the strong box was opened, it's never gonna close again. So if I agree with you that that is wrong and it shouldn't be used, but the solution is not to pour more gas into the tank because they're siphoning it out over here. Okay. It's, it's a spending. So how many times do you have to say it, Michael? Duke? Well, it's I mean, spending. I, Chris, I've been saying it for 20, this will be 25 years. I'm coming up on 25 years and I've been saying the same thing for 25 years. We have a spending yes. problem in this state. Um, and I've come so, to the conclusion, so wait, wait, tax. wait, wait, just a ah. second. I've come to the, I've come to the conclusion in the last couple of years that while what I've been saying makes good common sense and is, is, is right and true, there's not enough people who believe in the same thing that I believe. So where do we go from there? I, how do well, we? you continue to talk about it. So well, no, we're, we're, we're not going to stop talking about it. Yeah, no, we're not going to stop talking about it. But if that is the truth, if the truth is there's not enough political will to make those cuts, and I think you would agree, based on everything we got going on right now, there is no political will to cut the size and scope of government. What is the solution beyond that? If, what our, if our preferred solution won't work, what do we do? 
Do we keep repeating insanity or what do we do? And it's easy for me to say these things because I'm not the ones looking across the desk uh, to say, oh, by the way, I'm cutting your program. Right. I'm cutting your budget. But I'll go back to something. My father used to run a pretty large organization and he had a zero baseline budget and approach. And every year he zeroed your budget out and you had to come back and defend and build your budget from the ground up every year. There was no carryover. And you had to just, and he said, if you don't make cuts, I will for you. And I think that's what we need is we need a real understanding. I honestly, Michael, do not know what it would take to run this state of 720, 25, 50,000, whatever we are. Uh, I don't know what the billion dollar mark is. I really don't, but I think it can be got to. I think it could be understood. I think we can take a pretty hard look at what that would have to look like and then make a decision as a community as a pretty small community, really. I mean, less than a million people. Surely we can fix this and say, okay, are we going to make a constitutional change to the dividend and just say the dividend's being zeroed out? But we're if we do that, we will not need to have a tax. But how long can we live with that promise? Well, again, know, again, but- because government grows by $150 million every year if we did nothing else. So yeah. if you take all the dividend and then say there will be no tax, then what do you do? I mean, that, yeah. that's the and problem. Then, I mean, there's that how is do we the, get our leadership to start breathing encouragement and growth into our communities. How do we would Ron DeSantis sit here and have this constant food fight or would Ron DeSantis help build and lead a state towards yeah. prosperity and away from overspending and forget about the food fight of give me my give me my fault dividend. OK, well, what if. What if we have a low? What if it continues to dribble down to? I remember getting a full dividend when I was a kid. It was three hundred bucks, was yeah. based on whatever the percentage was. I mean, so it, there's no guarantee it's going to be five thousand. No, but it is. It is based on a formula. That three hundred dollar formula was the same formula that gave you a four thousand yes. dollar dividend here a few years ago, exactly. or thirty eight hundred dollars, exactly. or whatever it was. So again, equity should be if it's. Anyway, fair enough. We're out of time. Um, ben Carpenter okay. says something. That I, I think Ben Carpenter says something that's very important to what we were talking about here. Being influential is leadership. Influence doesn't require positional leadership, meaning you can be Love a it. leader. You can be a leader anywhere. And I would agree with that. Being uh, influential uh, is leadership. So good. Run. Our next governor, Ben Carpenter. Well, well, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? All right. Uh, Chris Story. Uh, thanks, brother. It's good to talk with you, and uh, I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, keep getting better. All right, thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right, uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. Um, I forgot to turn the phones on because I was busy talking to Chris, so let's turn the phones on real quick and get uh, the phone lines open, and we'll see what you guys have to say. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Here we go. Uh, no, we're 30 seconds out. Oh, I see. We had another. Well, good. I got time to turn the phones on. I was confused for a second. Too much Sudafed on board. I'm going to keep blaming that. It's not me. It's the medicine. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, phone lines are now open. We are ready to go. Let's get to it. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go.
All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and being part of it. It is the Tuesday edition of the Michael Loop Show. Just finished up with Chris Story. Love those conversations with him. They're for me more than you, I think, at this point. All right, um, let's get things uh, ready to rock and roll. I've gone ahead and I've opened up the phone lines. Uh, Phone lines are now open. And you can feel free to call in this morning and tell me how wrong I am, I guess, if you'd like. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. But if you do tell me I'm wrong, I'd like you to have an alternative answer to how we fix it. Um, I'd love to hear that. Special thanks, by the way, to our friends over there at Satellite West. Uh, from Kaktovic to Ketchikan, from Kenai to... Um, um, Cooper Landing. It's uh, wherever you are in the state. Satellite West has got the connectivity and the tools to make sure that you stay connected. Text messages, emails, uh, uh, telephone calls, internet, whatever it is, they've got it all over there. SatelliteWest.com. You can find them. All right, let's go. Let's go over to the phones, and we'll see what you guys have to say. First things first, and we'll uh, take it up a notch. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Al from Fairbanks. Good morning, Al. What's on your mind, sir? Oh, well, you know, listening to the show these last couple of weeks, uh, you know, if I learned anything uh, listening to the show over the years, that the cost of education to Alaska uh, doesn't reflect uh, our scores or how well-educated our children are. So I'm curious as why that you uh, criticize the governor when he vetoes the education budget by a great sum that uh, you don't like that. I never said I criticized. I never criticized the governor for vetoing, and I thought that was a bold move. I would have been happy if he'd vetoed the entire thing. Have you been listening to the same show that I have? Yeah. You, well, I guess the point, I guess you criticize him is he won't talk about it, and I'm, I'm not curious. I guess the real question is, is why does he have to come out and give a reason why he vetoes something or not? Well, I mean, for, first of all, historically, that's always what's happened, is the governor's come out, he's explained his vetoes and given us some room. I guess my main criticism of the governor is that he has not been communicative to the people for quite a long time. Um, he hasn't told them what his overall plan is. I mean, a leader is supposed to kind of lay out a vision of where they're going and why they're doing things. I was not critical. I didn't even care so much that he vetoed all these extra capital projects, even though it looked like they were being targeted for people who said no to the budget. I just wanted an explanation. I mean, I'm not I'm not mad about it. I'm happy. I guess if I was mad about anything is the fact that he didn't veto more. Um, I don't know how you would come away with the fact thinking that I was uh, upset with the governor for vetoing anything. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he should be able to veto whatever. I just want to have a little bit more communication for the. Wouldn't you wouldn't it be nice for him to tell you exactly what his plan is or you just happily going along and it's all good and he doesn't have to talk to you or tell you anything? Well, no, you know, you you can get involved with the governor and, and talk to him. Uh, when you get a chance, not, you know, it's not every day you can pick up the phone and talk to him, but I think he communicates very well. Um, he I hasn't had, look, Al, look, 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 Al, Al, he hasn't had a public, he hasn't had a public press conference where he's taken questions from anybody since April. Okay. We're almost to July. 
Since April, he hasn't come out. He has not appeared on this program in over a year. I've asked him multiple times. I've asked him through his press secretary, through his community outreach director. I've reached out through multiple channels. He hasn't been on this program, I don't think, in over a year. It's been since he's been on the program. And he said he would be happy to come on every six to eight weeks to at least address something or other. I mean, that's just my criticism is not for what he did in his actions. My criticism is that he should be coming back and engaging the people that supported him, that voted for him, that talked to him, that just want to know what his thoughts are, where he's going. I don't think that's too much to ask. I I guess I I must be somebody different because, uh, you know, I get some direction from him. I go to different meetings where he's attended and gives us direction and his staff and and commissioners and whatever, and uh, I, I, you know, my small world of what I'm interested in, I, I get really good uh, insight on to where the governor wants to go with the state. Well, great on those issues, it's fantastic. I'm talking about the overall fiscal picture of the state. I'm talking about the overall goal and the overall direction that the state's going, especially since he agreed. Well, I thought to he come gave on his, the uh, budget plan to the legislature, and that was his vision. And, you know, once it leaves his hands and goes to the legislature, it's in their hands. Yeah, but Al, again, um, I mean. So it's a a two-way deal, but he got an idea of where he wanted to go budget-wise when he submitted his budget to the legislature. So he just sends it out, no commentary, no nothing else. His people do the thing, and you're all okay. And that's fine. I guess if you're okay with that, that's fine. I'm not. I am not, not okay o- with it. I'm not okay with the choices we had today for uh, for whatever tax we'd like to have yeah. imposed upon ourselves. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you on that 100%. I'm just saying I would be sure nice if we had a little bit more communication from the leader of the state of Alaska. He is the he is in the paramount position there. It would be a little nice if he would engage with the people and talk. I mean, it doesn't have to be talking to me. He could just be doing his Facebook Live things that he did there for a while. Those were great. Those gave us an idea of the direction he was going, of what he was thinking. Uh, I just find it. I just find it frustrating that he is completely radio silent about this stuff, just throws the stuff out there, doesn't have the standard press conference, doesn't answer questions, doesn't do that. I just find it irritating more than anything else that we don't have an idea of what his thoughts are or where he's going. He's supposed to be leading us. Well, I can see that point, too. So Okay. Uh, I'll let somebody else get on there. I Thanks, just thought I'd throw that out there today for you, Michael. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad I could straighten you out on the whole I was supportive or not supportive of the vetoes. I mean, that was – I don't know which program you were listening to. I was definitely happy with the vetoes. All right, let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, it's Bull in Fairbanks. How are you doing today? Good, Bull. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, off topic, just a quick note. The other day you had that fellow from Chase Medical on. Yes. And I'm sure I'm not the only person out here that uh, doesn't deal with the internet, listens on radio. When you have somebody like that, it'd be real nice if you got them to give out a phone number. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Well, I'll do my best uh, to get, I don't know if they do I, it over the telephone, but I'll, I'll I'll do my best to bull. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Carlene. This is Carlene. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Quickly. 
excellent about uh, Senator Dan Sullivan wanting to regulate big tech. Um, I understand where that's coming from. There's a movie out right now, The Sound of Freedom, and yesterday, the, it's a true story, and the person that is the center of the story was on the Charlie Kirk show, and um, about 30% of all data is pornography, and America has quite a problem with that, apparently. There are two million children that are trafficked, that are sex slaves, that are documented, so I don't know how many more, but there's a, a bigger problem than that. And so I think Dan, I believe that Dan Sullivan is on the right track with mm. this. Well, I don't think government's going to solve, uh, thank you, Carlene. I don't think government's going to solve many of those problems. They are inept as inept can be usually in those kind of situations, but I understand what you're saying. Thank you for your call. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow's another day. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, folks. Well, another beautiful day in paradise. I'm going to go out there and try and make the world my own. Make the world my oyster. I uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys being part of it today. Uh, thank you for coming on board. He came in once during campaign. He did not come in once during campaign season. I tried to get him on. That's the, that's the whole time. It's just crazy. Um, anyway... I appreciate you guys. I'm going to probably try and go back through some of these comments while I'm waiting for the podcast to load because I missed a lot of these comments. Uh, So I apologize. We'll continue our discussions tomorrow. I'm going to go to work. See you guys. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 